you got your Bible with you, uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 4 with me. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's take a moment this morning and pray. Father, thank you for this time we have together now. We believe that you're at work in our midst. We ask you for the message for this hour, for this time. Lord, give us that which is right and necessary for our lives, that we may grow in Christ and grow in all the things that pertain to our life and godliness in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a, there's a new book out, I guess, called Hymns of the Lukewarm Church. And uh, some of you who may have been, been a part of, you know, churches that used hymns and that kind of stuff, you could probably relate to this and appreciate it, maybe. Uh, but the lukewarm church announces the publication of church songs, whose title, according to the editor, was chosen because, quote, we didn't want to turn anybody off with threatening words that no one understands anymore, like worship or hymn. People in today's society get kind of uncomfortable uh, with too much talk about things like commitment and dedication. They'd much rather have a religion that they can turn on or off at will. Our books seek to meet that need. And this is the sample contents from the new, the new songs. Uh, a comfy mattress is our God. Joyful, joyful, we kind of like thee. Above average is thy faithfulness. My hope is built on nothing much. Blessed be the tie that doesn't cramp my style. Oh, for a thousand, or excuse me, oh, for a couple tongues to sing. Oh, how I like Jesus. Pillow of ages fluffed for me. I surrender some. I'm fairly certain that my Redeemer lives. Sit up, sit up for Jesus. Spirit of the living God, fall somewhere near me. Take my life and let me be. There shall be sprinkles of blessings. What an acquaintance we have in Jesus. It's not too bad with my soul. And when the saints go sneaking in, where he leads me, I will consider following. Amen. Those are available in the foyer for your edification and backsliding. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, we've been talking about growing up over the last couple months. And let's finish up, if we can, here today and uh, go out on a high note. Everybody ready? In Ephesians 4, our text, of course, in verse 11, the Lord gave us the fivefold ministry. Verse 13, He said, How long till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man? to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ. And so it's the will of God that we grow up. And as we've been teaching in this series, uh, of course, I hope you understand that just by hearing this series does not guarantee that you have grown up. All right, but what I've endeavored to explain is what growing up looks like. All right, how a mature person acts and thinks and believes, and also what it takes 
to get to that place, to get from A to B to C to D? How can we get moving on the right path? And how can we begin to grow or continue growing from the place that we're at? However, just a teaching about or a message on growing up doesn't necessarily cause a person to grow up in every area. But what it does is puts things in place in our lives so that if we'll put them into motion and practice them, then we will grow. Okay? Today, I want to deal with an issue um, that I haven't dealt with yet, yet, and that's called balance. All right? I want to talk to you about balance. It's very important that we be balanced if we're going to grow properly in the things of God. I looked up that word balance in the dictionary, and it said, an even distribution of weight enabling someone or something to remain upright and steady. Now, now, now think about that. What do we want as believers? I think one of the things we want is to remain upright and steady. If a person is unbalanced, then they are going to be more apt to fall. That means they're leaning a certain way. They have strong leanings, and the Lord wants us to be centered, balanced in every way. Again, the person who lacks balance is going to hinder their maturity and their growth and their ability to stand consistently uh, for the Lord. Another um, definition said, a condition in which different elements are equal or in the correct proportions. And that's one of our desires and goals here at Life Church is we want to give you the right proportion of the various elements of the things of God, the Word of God, and what the Lord does in a person's life so that, again, we can be balanced, have the right proportions. It keeps us steady. Now, understand this. When I talk about being balanced, it's different than maybe some would approach it. Some would, uh, they would try to be balanced by, for example, if you talk about divine healing, they would heal, healing, healing, healing. You'd think, ah, this is the greatest thing. All right, I can have this. I can receive this from the Lord. Then they'll balance it out by telling you how sometimes it doesn't work. How sometimes it's not God's will or you never know what God's going to do. And they're attempting to bring balance and they'll throw in a couple misinterpreted scriptures that basically undo the other thing that they said. And I want you to know that's not what the scripture is trying to tell us. One thing real solid and real real clear and absolutely it works 100% of the time except... And then they explain why it doesn't work. How many know, again... The second undermines the first. It doesn't bring balance to the first. We don't balance out faith with doubt. Well, we've got to talk about a little bit of unbelief, make sure we don't get, you know, too strong in faith. No, actually being balanced, uh, some, and, and if you're looking at it that way, it might seem totally unbalanced. But we're balanced when we stay firm with the Word of God and not let anything take us away from that. Never read one verse and think the next, the second verse undoes the first verse. That's a misunderstanding of the second verse, if that's the case. And I, I really believe that over time, as a person is involved with what we've got going on here, that they will get a balanced um, diet, an in, balanced input from of spiritual things. It doesn't all happen in a week, though. I remember several years ago, I was ministering at a church, and I brought a real strong message on a particular subject, and a a gentleman came to me afterward, 
and said, uh, you know, they didn't really disagree with what I was saying, but they said, but you never talked about this part. You never dealt with, you know, this other aspect of that. And basically what they were trying to say was I was kind of unbalanced. I didn't bring both sides. And I said, listen, I know that. I purposely didn't talk about that because I wouldn't have been able to effectively deal with this if I was dealing with that as well. And uh, I understand this. Any given message, including this one today, is not completely balanced in the sense going to give you everything. I mean, wow. Do you do? I mean, some people do that at the buffet, I guess. But, you know, try to eat everything. <laughs> but that hurts later. <laughs> Right, And uh, different messages are designed to pinpoint certain areas. That's why church involvement in life was never intended to be a splash, an event, a one-time, I was there and God. No, that's, you just get a, you get a small picture of what God's really saying and doing if that's all your person is a part of. That's why it takes months. It really takes years for a person to be balanced and get the whole picture. Let me show you a couple of scriptures along these lines. Turn with me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10. Well, let's start in verse 9. 3, 9. Paul said here, For what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Notice what Paul's intention was. He said, I'm praying hard. (laughs) I'm praying night and day. I've got to do something because we really need to get over to see you because there are some things lacking in your faith. You've got some area of lack, and I need to get there so I can put something into you to bring balance to your life because if you're lacking in one area they're more likely to be unstable they're more likely to tip amen but he needed to perfect that which is lacking someone think uh, might, might think i thought that in christ we're already perfect or complete well you are but you can say on you could say both sides and be accurate many things are that way in the word of god but we could say scripturally that you're not lacking anything. And we could also say scripturally, you're lacking. And you can be right on both accounts. It just depends on what you're talking about. But he recognized that though, of course, they're complete in Christ, and though they're perfect in him, yet there were some elements of their faith that were lacking. He said, I've got to get there to put something in you so that you're not lacking. Amen. It seemed, well, why didn't he just tell them to pray and just get it? <laughs> well, I think some things don't come that way. Some things the Lord doesn't intend us just to get alone and pray and say, Lord, give it all to me. Okay, I'm good to go. No, it doesn't come that way. It doesn't come that quick often times. Uh, we need, the Lord often as will put another person in our lives, and they will make deposits, spiritual deposits into our life, and those will uh, perfect what's lacking in us. Look at Acts chapter 20 with me. Acts chapter 20. 
So we could say, if, if Paul wasn't able to get there, or they weren't able to make it to the meeting, they were imbalanced. They were lacking something. They were missing on, out on something God wanted to do. In Acts chapter 20, verse 27, Paul, again speaking here, said, For I have not shunned to declare to you, look at this, the whole counsel of God. He said, I've not neglected my responsibility. I've given you the whole picture. I've given you the whole counsel of God. Well, why is it necessary that they have the whole counsel of God? Must be necessary. If not, a person becomes unbalanced. They, uh, they will miss out. They will be lacking in some areas of their life. But he said, I've explained to you everything I was supposed to, everything I had concerning God and His work and His will and His ways and everything He has to say. I haven't shunned to, to, to give it all to you. This ought to be our heart, our desire. It is, Lord, give it all to me. But then how that comes, of course, uh, we need to be aware of that. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And verse 16, I want to establish this point well into your mind that we cannot just be focused on one or two areas. There are many things the Lord wants to do in our lives. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Well, what if a person says, well... I'm not really into the correction part. Uh, I mean, I kind of like the instruction. Or another person says, and some, you know, you might laugh at this, but a lot of people, you are like this, because you tell me. Just hit me between the eyes. I don't want the instruction. Just tell me how it is to straighten my life up. Well, those are parts of the whole. Those are elements that we need but we need to have them in proper balance in order, uh, in order to be healthy. What happens then if we get those and we get all of those, verse 17 comes into play. Where it says that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. What happens if a person does not accept reproof, correction, or instruction? What happens if they resist some of that and just receive other parts? They don't get verse 17. They don't get to the place where they are complete, lacking nothing, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. When we talk about being balanced, we oftentimes again, relate and think of things in relationship to the physical body. The physical body, of course, needs balance, doesn't it? A person who is of good health, it's often said that they have a balanced diet, right? They, they eat correct proportions of various types of food and nutrients to produce balance in their physical body. And virtually all physical uh, fitness experts will tell you not only do you need to eat right, but you also need to exercise, right? And that's going to produce balance or physical health, fitness 
in your life. I mean, it, first part of the year, all the time, uh, n- lots of new books come out, right? New diet books and new formulas and potions. And, uh, of course, people are signing up for the gym and uh, doing lots of stuff. The, the, the television commercials and infomercials, there's always a new magic pill. And this will shrink your waist by so much in a matter of so many days or something. I've always, uh, and I don't disagree with the the balance. I mean, I'm in agreement with that. But I think it's funny sometimes when they uh, tout the new pill. And then you read at the bottom. If you've got high def, you can read it. If not, you can't. <laughs> it's just, uh, but it says something like, along with um, a proper diet, you know, take this along with a proper diet and exercising for an hour a day. <laughs> then you will achieve the results that they're promising with this pill. I don't know about you. I'm not saying all the pills are bad. I don't really know. But I think if you do the bottom part, you might not need the pill. <laughs> just a word. Might spend the money on a treadmill instead of a pill. I know that's not as easy, is it? <laughs> I'd rather just pop the pill and lay on the couch. <laughs> I like those. Those are nice kind of diets. Huh? <laughs> but anyone who's an expert in, in, in physical fitness and so forth, they will always tell you it's not just about what you eat. It's about how you move as well. And there's two sides. You've got to be balanced if you're really going to have um, a healthy, fit body. Spiritually speaking, we also must have balance. It's not only about doing one thing well and ignoring other necessary practices. And I think this is sometimes what we slip into. We want to be healthy. We want to grow like crazy. We want to move on with God. But we're focused on one little area. And that's all we can see. And we're mastering on that little area. And so many other things are being neglected and being left undone. And we don't understand why we're tipping. It's like a person who prays, for example. A person who's a prayer. Pray, 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 pray. Well, how many know that um, that's a good thing, but if a person doesn't get into the Word of God, they're going to be unbalanced. They may think, pray, 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 that's the answer to everything. Well, no, it's not the answer to everything. It's the answer to some things. And Really, if a person pray, 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 and no word, 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 they become weird, 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 weird. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> they have no grounding. And, and, and also what happens is uh, their prayers stop working because prayer is based on the Word of God. You see the, see the balance there. Someone can be saying, oh, it's all about prayer. We need to pray. Yes, but not to the exclusion of other things. Someone could say, I just think we need to worship God. We need more people to worship and get in the presence of God and worship Him. Well, I don't disagree with that. But that doesn't take the place, for example, of having relationships in the body of Christ, of being a part of a body and being one another minded. They both serve a purpose. One does not take the place of another. And sometimes a person is excelling in one area and they think, I don't understand. Why does... It's just something's missing. Something's not right in my life. It's not that you're doing that one thing so bad. You're just missing out on these others. 
And sometimes we think, well, that's kind of my, more my personality. That's my bent. That's my leaning. I really like that more. Fine. You're still out of gas. <laughs> Fine. You still must have other elements in your life to be in place before everything will work well. Often when a person recognizes that there's something missing or something not working in their life, they assume the solution is to get that missing thing. When many times it is found in a related imbalance. For example, um, sometimes a person in relationships, their relationships just really aren't producing for them. What, what do I mean? They're just, it feels like something's missing. I just don't feel like this is, you know, what I really thought it would be about. Could be a friendship, could be a marriage. It just feels like something. It's, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And they think, well, we've got to fix this relationship, or I need new friends, or I need a new spouse, or I need, I, I need something because this is just not right the way it's supposed to be, when in reality, it could have nothing to do with those relationships. It could have a whole lot to do with this relationship. Sometimes a person's neglected relationship with God will manifest in an unhealthy relationship with their family, with their friends, with other people. And they think, ah, I just need some new friends. No, you need to pray some more. <laughs> I, I just need some new friends. No, you need to have a walk that's consistent and steady every day with the Lord. And you'll find out that everything else, it'll trickle down. And it'll fix many other different relationships in your life. See, sometimes what we think is the problem isn't the problem. Sometimes the prayer life, there's nothing wrong with that. You just need a little bit of word. Hmm. Amen. I know uh, sometimes uh, people may, may look at a, a teenager who is having some funky relationships, maybe some bad relationships. You know that sometimes, not in every case, but sometimes uh, a teenager's lack of relationship with his or her parents can manifest in them gravitating towards other bad relationships, unhealthy relationships, getting involved sometimes too romantically too soon and sexually and all that kind of stuff, sometimes with gangs, sometimes with substance abuse. And it's not really that they need beat over the head because of those wrong behaviors. What they need is some other things shored up in their life. They need, they need some good quality time with mom and dad. And not, not necessarily in a, in a rebuking sort of way, just in a loving way. And sometimes that relationship being established makes everything else work out. See, this is where it's important that we recognize the interconnectivity that the, the various elements of our life and our relationship with God have with each other. Okay? Not always is the problem that you think you have directly a problem with what you think you have. It's something else that's related to it something else that's undermining that situation in your life. And this often is the wisdom of God for us to become more balanced. Just like a doctor and a nutritionist, they would tell you, if you keep your body in good physical condition with exercise and right diet and so forth, that your body is more apt to repel disease. A healthy physical body is going to deal with less problems than a 
weak physical body as far as being attacked with sickness and so forth. Spiritually, our relationship with God is likewise the same. When we have many of the different elements in place, attacks come, and we hardly even know it sometimes. I mean, we just brush them right off. Uh, man of God that I respect highly uh, used to often say he was very old uh, and had been living for the Lord for a, a very long time. He said, I, I sometimes go five, six, seven years without even knowing that I have a body in relationship as far as anything being wrong with it. The least bit of pain or sickness or anything. You just go five, seven. And he said, really, the only time I do have problems is if I miss God. I disobey him in some way and I get out and then when I find out I recognize what I'm doing I run back under the umbrella of his love and everything straightens back up in his body again I think that's the way things are supposed to be but we can't just be one dimensional here I just really like this aspect of of of, of the Lord and uh, and other things I'm not really in, in interested in well, we need to be interested in. When it, when it comes to church, sometimes people gravitate just towards one element that they like the most. Some really, uh, like in a service like this, some think, uh, this is their mindset, I come to church because I like the teaching of the Word of God. That's really what I get something out of. That's what I, I want. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. But if, if your mindset is at the same time, you know that whole worship stuff, I could just do without that. There are some who are tempted. I don't know that you'd follow through on it, but tempted to come in after the worship just for the word. Okay? So what are you saying? I'm just saying you're not balanced. I'm saying the word, the teaching, does not replace the worship that we're supposed to have with God. And other people may be the opposite. I'm certain, certain that you won't admit to it while I'm teaching, but... You, that you might think I'm just I just love the music and the worship and if we could just do that the whole service and forget this other stuff uh, uh, then that would be my desire well I'm telling you you're out of balance too not that you're wrong for loving to worship God that's a positive and if you love to dig in the word and get rich teaching that's a positive I'm telling you that alone does not suffice we must be balanced. Someone said, well, it's really my, that's just my personality. I know, that's fine. I'm, your personality's flawed. <laughs> it, 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 needs a, it needs a little bit of tweaking so that God can move in many areas of your life and not just have one little door. Amen. When it comes to church services, of course, we got, well, people have different preferences, uh, but there are various types of church services. Some really like the uh, believers meetings or Holy Ghost meetings. They're the, whoo, it's the wild time and, and it's, it's shout and it's get excited and let's, woo let's celebrate what the Lord has done. Glory to God and people falling out and glory coming in and, and uh, lots of good stuff. Well, that's fine. And there are others that they don't want to have anything to do with that. That, you know, that loud stuff, whoo, I don't really like that. Well, what we need to do is say, is it in the Word? Do we have a biblical example of any of these things? And I'm telling you, there are multifaceted church services. I mean, there are different services that have different functions. Some are just really consumed with the lost. And they say, they need to be evangelistic meetings. They need to be preaching the simple gospel, John 3:16, and let people come into the kingdom of God. That's the kind of church I like. Well, I'm glad you like it, but that's not 
all that defines church. There are different types of services and different types of moves of God's Spirit. Say, which one should we have? We should have all of them at various times, not in one given service. You know, there are times when people feel like, man, if it's not wild, we didn't have church. That's immaturity. Not every service has to have that. Do you know not every service has to have long teaching? You hear who that's coming from? I I like that part. But you could have a service that was all prayer or was all worship or was all something else, and that would be okay. It would be all right. But in the big picture, not over one week or one month or what, in the big picture, we should have... We should be open to the multifaceted move of God's Spirit. Lord, what do you want to do? What are the different ways that you speak to your people? What are the different things that you do? I want it all. I just got to tell you, I'm really opposed. I'm grieved by even the thought or notion of just having a church that's strictly a classroom. And I like to teach. I do. But for church just to be... All right, we're in class, and it's all just, and not have a move of God's Spirit. I can't accept that as right, and it grieves my heart to think we could just have so many programs, and it looks all good, but no miracles, but no, no changed lives where it's not just through a program, it's through an encounter with God. I am not satisfied personally with having something that you could do without God. Where you could put on a good program, whether God was there or not. And I'm all for a good program, but not at the expense of a move of God's Spirit. If, you can, if, if a person can come here month after month and not recognize that there is some supernatural element because lives are changed and bodies are healed and minds are restored and, and, and it's from a supernatural manifestation of God that I think, hey, we're shutting down. I'm sending you to the Y. <laughs> or to the Elks Lodge or something. Nothing against whatever, you know, if the people have good stuff going, but we're, not, we're interested in the Spirit of God moving. Amen. And I hope you have an open mind to all these things. We judge it all by the Word, but if we're only just focused on one little area, this is how God can move in my life. Well, He's merciful and He's gracious, and He might just sneak in there. Might just come in that little door that you open, but you're not going to have the fullness of what God really wants to do. And balance will not be there, which means stability will not be there, and growth won't be there to the degree that God wants. Amen. I was thinking about church health. When you talk about balance, you're talking about health. And thinking about our church, how would I know if our church as a whole is healthy? And true concerning any church. How could you walk in there and know whether it's a healthy church or an unhealthy church? And I, was, I wrote down seven things that I can see, and not all of these are easily identified by me just by looking. I can't necessarily see it. 
but it is something that we can be aware of on a personal basis and say, is this in play in my life and how does that contribute to my own spiritual health? All right. Now, when I give this list, some of it's going to be up here for a number of people. In other words, you'll say, I don't know if I got all these going on. All right. Don't be beat up by that or condemned by that. Grow. Increase. See things as challenges. Not everyone gets uh, from 1 to 10 just like that. In fact, no one does. It takes time. And really, the goal for some of these issues is not 100%. It might seem like it would be, but if a church is really doing a good job, there's always more people coming in, and they're not to that place yet. The church is always going to be filled with people who are uh, babies, those who are teens, not speaking physically now, but and those who are of full age. We should always have a mixture because people are continuing to come and be filled up with uh, the Word of God and what He's doing. Here's some things that I wrote down. Uh, first of all, this is not number one, but uh, the answer to my question of how do I tell or how can I measure a church's health, the answer is growth. The answer is growth. Is a church growing because anything that's alive is growing? But growth is, again, a multifaceted issue and not, not all, it's not all visible. All right. And so here's the things that I wrote seven. I wrote seven things. Number one, the percentage of people who attend consistently. What percentage of our church, or any given church for that matter, attend consistently? In other words, if you have a thousand people that are a part of a church and a hundred of them are there regularly, are there consistently week in and week out, I'd say that's an unhealthy church, at least in that area right? I know sometimes we think when we talk about uh, people being in church and coming to church regularly, if ever a pastor deals with that type of message, it almost seems like, you know, the people that need to hear that message are not there hearing that message. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, why are you talking to us about that? I mean, we're here. You got to somehow send that message out to the people who are not here. But follow me in this. How, well, let me ask you this question. How many of you know of someone who is a saved person? They are a child of God. They're a Christian. And they used to be in church, but they are not in church anymore. Lift up your hand. All right. Vast majority. All right. I can lift up hands and feet. I know people. Okay. Those people used to be here. I'm not, I'm not saying here specifically, in church in general. Aside from anything changing in the big picture, follow the logic. They, those people you know and some people I know, used to be in church. Now they're not. If that cycle continues, without, I'm not prophesying doom or gloom for you, that means, though, there are some here in this place today who sometime in the future will not be in fellowship anymore. Not in fellowship with the Lord and with a local church. You'll be one of those people that you know of. Am I right? I'm not, again, I'm not saying it's you. Hopefully it's not. But for whatever reason, people 
take offense, they backslide, they, whatever. People do things, and they go from a place of fellowship to not. See, why are you saying that? I'm telling you it's valid for me to talk about this to the people who are here because I know from history that those who aren't here used to be here. And for some reason, they let the enemy work in their life and rob them of something very valuable and precious and uh, one of the main avenues that God works in a person's life. And so I look at the percentage of people who attend consistently. Does a person go to church a couple times a month? What? And you analyze your own life. That wasn't an example to follow, by the way. (laughs) Speaking for your own health. Number two, I wrote, the percentage of people who are involved in serving. If I'm looking at a church and I say, want to see how healthy is this church, I want to know, well, what percentage of people, again, if you have a thousand people and a hundred people are doing all the work, doing all the serving, I'm thinking, hmm. That's not a real healthy place. You understand where I'm coming from. Number three, the percentage of people in our, in our case here that are participating in authentic life, which is our discipleship. It's our get people from A to Z program. What percentage of the people are involved in that? Number four, the percentage of people who are winning lost people to the Lord. If I'm looking at a church and the huge majority have no second thought about lost people and bringing them to Christ, then I'm thinking something's missing because that is the heartbeat of God. I want you to know the Lord thinks about that every single day. There's not a moment where lost people are not on His heart. This is something that I've, I don't know how I got this way. I, I think it's just because I'm close with the Lord and because we're tight that I pick this up. But especially when I'm close to the Lord more and more and I'm spending time with Him, I feel His heartbeat. What do I mean? That He cares about lost people and loves them so much. To this point, you wouldn't know this necessarily if you were standing next to me, but I go places and I get, and it's almost, to me, it's almost like a burden sometimes. It's just like, ah, I mean, it would, and what I mean, in other words, it would be easier if I didn't think this way. It'd be, but I don't want to get rid of it at the same time because I know it's the way the Lord is. But I could be, I could go to a movie and sitting there waiting for it to start. I'm looking around. I'm aware of the people. And I don't stand up and preach to them. But I am thinking, where are they going? Are they lost or are they saved? I watch a football game. And, you know, and I get to the place where I enjoy the football game or the movie or whatever it is. I'm at a football game. I can't, there's not going to be a game I go to or even sometimes watch on TV thousands of people where, where the thoughts aren't going through my mind. But what about all those people? I know we're all here to watch the game, but what about all those people? Where are they going? Where are they going to spend eternity? I know this. This is the heart of God. I know this. When people, when God's people are walking closely with Him, 
they're going to feel that. And that's why I can say a healthy church is a soul-winning church. Sometimes people get scared of that. They think, I'm not going to walk up to Joe Blow on the street, cold turkey, and say, are you saved? That's not the only way uh, evangelism takes place. That's one way. There are many different ways the Lord can use you to bring people to Christ through a roundabout method, even if you don't directly pray with them, but you're bringing them in. Let the Lord lead you. I want our church to be healthy in this way, in all these areas. Here's another thing I wrote. Oh, Let me bring out this thought. Maturity in all species is shown by reproduction. When the doggies grow up, here come the puppies. When believers grow up, here comes the puppies. In other words, maturity is demonstrated when people win others to the Lord. Oftentimes, because of associations, the opposite happens in the body of Christ. People grow up and they no longer have any association with any unbelievers because all their friends are Christians. And so they lose their influence on the world. And that's what we need to avoid. Number five, am I getting too strong here for everybody? Breathe. Number five, what shows health? The percentage of people who give at least a tithe of their income. The percentage of people who give at least a tithe of their income. So you had to bring up money, didn't you? <laughs> I'm telling you, if you look, at it, you look at a church, you take a thousand people, and 50 people are financing the thing, there's something wrong with that church. If a small percentage of the people are making it go financially, there's a lack of health there. I'm telling you, any person who walks with the Lord and continues to grow in Him, you will get to the point, if you're not already there, and the Lord will deal with you about money. Jesus said a ton about money. He talked about it all day long. It's very important. Amazing, but this is important in your relationship with God. You're only going to go so far until you start becoming a giver, a generous giver. And I don't say that for any personal benefit. You know me. Most of you do. You know I wouldn't. But it is key to you moving forward in God. It is necessary to be a giver. And again, if I see a church, you got a thousand people, but a very small event, 10% or even 50% are the ones that are doing all the giving, then there's something wrong. There's an element that's missing. All right, number six. The percentage of people who are baptized in water and in the Holy Spirit. In other words, how many people come to Christ and stop? They receive the Lord. They pray the prayer. They're saved, man, on their way to heaven, but never then follow Him any further. Never come into obedience by being baptized in water and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Both are necessary. All believers should be involved in both. And so again, if we got a church of a thousand people and half of them have been baptized in water and filled with the Spirit, well, what are the other half doing? There will always be situations where we have church people in the church that haven't been, but that's good, but not if they stay there for 10 years. We need to be moving forward and say, Lord, I'm saved. Thank you, Lord. I'm on my way to heaven. I want everything you have for me. I want the fullness of your spirit, and I'm going to take, I'm going to do everything that you told me to do. Number seven, 
Number seven, the percentage of people who are walking in the power of God. Percentage of people who are walking in the power of God. In other words, think about it like this. We are a church among many who believe in supernatural things. We believe in the power of God, that God heals bodies. He does supernatural deliverance and sets people free from all kinds of problems and addictions and bondages. And it's a supernatural thing. If, if a person has to come up to us, I don't mean after one service or something, but if they've been around and been a part, and the only way that they know that we believe in divine healing, for example, some supernatural manifestation of God's power, is that they have to ask, then I think there's something wrong. If the only way a person would know that we believe in the power of God, not just that everything's reserved for heaven one day, we're just going to suffer through life and pop out on the other side and it's going to be all right. If the only way a person knows that we believe it today is they have to read it on our doctrinal statements, then I say there's a disconnect in what the church believes and what the church practices. These things need to be at work in our lives. And here's, here's the challenge. If you're not there, these things are at work in our services. If you're around a lot of our services, you see, and they're going to increase. But that's not the only place it's supposed to happen. The power of God is not for weekends. It's for our lives. And these things can be flowing through every single member of the body of Christ. And when I look at a church who says, we believe this, we believe this, but none of it's happening. Something's missing. And there's a lack of health in that area. You know, Paul said over in Romans chapter 15 and verse 19, he said, in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and around about to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. It's interesting to me what he called fully preaching the gospel. Aren't we? We're, we're, ta- we're talking about balance, right? Talking about being well-rounded, being established, being complete. Another word that goes with that is fully preaching the gospel of Christ. What did he say? In mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. That's what he defined as fully preaching the gospel. Sometimes people would call folks like us full gospel. Let's not have them have to read it in the statement. How about they get it, they hang around you for a while? How about they're on, maybe they're on the job with you for a few months and they realize there's a fullness about you <laughs> or there's something about you that's supernatural in nature. You have things happen. There's power working through you. Amen. Let me give you this last point in closing here today. Thank you, Lord. First of all, let me, well, let me give you a couple points. <laughs> First of all, let me, let me remind you that just like you can go to the gym and get a membership and be out of shape, you can come to the church and get a membership and be out of shape. Just because you have a card, just because... You're a member of the organization does not guarantee maturity 
and fitness. You actually have to use the machines. All right? By getting a membership, you have access. You have the opportunity to use the treadmill and the elliptical thing and, and uh, you know, use the machines and pump some free weights and do all, do, take the classes and, and do all the kind of stuff. But they're not going to call you and say, you going to work out today? Hi, this is the athletic center calling to make sure you're going to lift some weights today. <laughs> Haven't seen you for a couple days and uh, wanted to make sure you got your workout. <laughs> they going to do that? No, and we're not going to do that either. Hey, just wanted to make sure you read your Bible today. <laughs> you, you pray today yet? Just, just checking up on you. No, we don't do that. But we do provide the equipment. We'll show you how to use it. Show how, you, how it works. And then you've got to put it into practice. Start pumping iron. Start working out. And you'll be balanced. You'll be physically fit. I believe that over a period of time that, we're, that we are able to give you what's necessary to be balanced in your life. To be well-rounded. It doesn't happen in a month over a larger period of time. It doesn't all come through me. Sometimes the Lord leads me to have different guest speakers come in. Why? So they can add something to us that helps perfect us in that which we're lacking. They bring it from a different angle or a different gift or a different anointing, and we get it. So what, but you, sometimes you have those like on off nights, and I don't come on off nights. I know you're still lacking. <laughs> we showed you how to use the machine, but you weren't there at the tutorial. Right? Did I say that wrong? No. Tutor. I had too many toots in there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> people do that with that word pastoral all the time you ever heard someone say pastoral <laughs> alright that's not a word <laughs> amen now I'm trying to get to that last point I'm going to give you two scriptures you don't need to turn there if you don't want 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 17 it says I am glad about the coming of Stephanus of Fortunatus and of Achaicus. Aren't you glad your name was not any of those? For what was lacking, listen to this, what was lacking on your part, they supplied. What you didn't do, they did it for you. What responsibilities you shirked, they covered for you. They did double because you did nothing. Wow. What was lacking on your part, they supplied. I'm sure glad for people who are willing to do double and triple. And they go the extra mile. They do extra. They do above and beyond what is necessarily asked or expected or wanted of them. And they're doing it because someone else isn't doing anything. Good morning. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 30. Speaking of a guy named Epaphroditus. For those having children. There's an idea for you. It says about Epaphroditus. Because for the work of Christ. He, he came close to death. 
not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Why did Epaph run himself almost into the grave? Why did he work so hard for the Lord that he broke down his physical health and physical body? It said because he was trying to make up for what other people weren't doing. And there are many that have that heart. I don't think we should let them do it. I don't think we should say, you know what? I've got a couch. I'm going to use it. You take care of everything. But that's what happens in a lot of churches. You got a few people working themselves to the bone, doing everything in the kingdom of God, while others are not doing a thing. I didn't really want to end up on this. Is this kind of hard to finish up on? My heart is health in our church. Health, balance. So we're not all just one-dimensional, where we have a great passing game, but no running game. Special teams stink, but we can sure throw the ball. Yeah, and you're going to get mowed over one of these days. <laughs> we want to be multifaceted. Lord, whatever, whatever's involved with being a Christian, show that to me. As I see it, I'm stepping up. As I recognize what my part is in having a relationship with you and with the local church, I'm going to be a part of that. What's it going to do? It's going to bring balance to you individually. It's also going to bring balance and wholeness to us as a family. There will always be new folks coming in that don't know this and it takes time to, to get up to that place. But it should be all of our goal. We should each individually have this goal so where we get to the point where we are individually strong and corporately motivated. The opposite is often the case. People are weak by themselves but strong when they get together. But they're motivated by their own agenda. They've got their own interests, their own thoughts, their own dreams. That's all they're interested in fulfilling. And it needs to be the opposite. I've got my own relationship with God. I'm doing what's necessary to keep myself healthy and strong. I'm using the weights. I'm on the machines. I'm, I'm doing what's been provided. I'm taking the spiritual equipment and gear. And I'm prepared and I'm ready to do what God has me to do. And now I join with some other folks. But brothers and sisters in Christ and we have one common goal one common vision to get something done for the kingdom of God and together we are strong we are mighty a mighty moving force that cannot be stopped and cannot be denied amen when we have that kind of attitude I tell you what we're going to run over darkness we're going to run over the devil and all his cohorts we will not be stopped by any any problems or any storms or any circumstances that come against us God is on our side and when we're, when we're healthy when we're growing up and when we're strong we are going to succeed father thank you today for your life in us thank you for your strength and your wisdom you direct us in everything we do everything we do we believe that you are at work in us even now causing us to be perfected causing us to uh, receive and and have those things that are necessary to bring balance to bring focus even again so we can accurately represent you to the world so that when others see a true believer they see Jesus and are drawn towards you 
Father, I thank you for doing this work, this special thing in our hearts and in our lives today. You're growing us up. Lord, we purpose in our hearts today, even now, not to resist things that are new or things that are different for us. But anything that is of you that we find in your word, we open up our minds and our hearts and say, Lord, work it in us. I thank you that you are working in us. You're doing a work on the inside to help us to be stabilized, to be grounded, and to be steady. Lord, thank you for speaking to every heart today. Lord, I believe that you're at work now as we take a moment to wait on you, as we take a moment to let these things settle in our hearts, to be established in us. May they not be a passing thought that we just quickly dismiss and then go back to the way things have always been. Lord, I thank you that your word is a seed and it's implanted. And in the days and weeks and months and years to come, it will produce an abundant harvest to your glory. Father, thank you for doing this work in us now. Oh, we give you praise. Father, I do pray for any person and for, any, for all those who have come today who are not saved.